Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. I'm Jay. Today's topic, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, the first animated Trek series in 47 years. It is the ninth series in the Star Trek franchise and was launched in 2020 as part of executive producer Alex Kurtman's expansion of the franchise for the streaming service CBS All Access. Lower Decks is the first animated series created for All Access and the first animated Star Trek series since 1973. And that was Star Trek The Animated Series. It follows the support crew of the USS Serratos in the year 2380. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, um, this is uh, an animated comedy, um, which I think a lot of people were worried. Um, at least Trek fans I heard early on were worried because they wanted it the early rumblings for they wanted something like a Justin Roiland, Rick and Morty style uh, joke fest and people didn't know if it was going to translate. But um, I've been pleasantly surprised. I think they've done a really great job. The animation style fits well. It takes place just after the Enterprise movies and Voyager. So it, the aesthetic is you know, what we're used to. I, it, it just works brilliantly. Uh, and it because it's an animated show, they can kind of do some in jokes and some like winks at the camera and that sort of stuff without uh, what would break dramatic tension in a live action series. What you've just said there, I mean, one, yes, this is a comedy. I left that part out. We've had a Star Trek animated series previously, but that was more of a continuation of the original series, wasn't it? This, yeah. it is a comedy. Also canon. This is yeah. within the prime timeline. I remember when they announced this, and like most Trek fans, I wasn't concerned. I'm open to new things. I wasn't concerned that it would be making fun at Star Trek's expense. And it's not what we got. Like this show, for me, plays like a love letter to Star Trek. Oh, absolutely. There's so many very, very, very deep cuts. Uh, and, they, and they don't do it. They're not just rattling stuff off to be like, yeah, look at our Star Trek knowledge. You know, they, they, they fit in because you know, if, if you're in that universe, then specific missions and specific uh, crews, they're going to be well-known. They're going to be things that you studied in the academy and the, the word gets around. Um, and it all fits perfectly. And they even some of the places we go to, we go to uh, revisit, they do second contacts, which is <laughs> after the first contact, <laughs> they do all the uh, paperwork. Uh, but, you know, they do retread some of that classic ground from like even the, uh, the animated series back in the 70s. You know, they go to the, uh, the Purge planet <laughs> with Landru. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, They've definitely, they've definitely done their research, but it all uh, builds into the idea of like, not every ship is the Enterprise. You know, there's the ships you know, and then there's the Cerritos. <laughs> but there's always other ships. Like, there's so many times. Like recently, we've Star Trek Picard. Like when you get to the finale, 
multiple ships, like a fleet, an armada of Federation ships turn up, but you don't know the names of those ships. The Cerritos, although not one of those ships, it's one of another one of the Starfleet ships, as you say, that's out there, but doesn't normally get the recognition. It's not the biggest, most powerful ship in the fleet. Yeah, and they do make the joke that it's a bit older, it's a bit rickettier, like they come across other newer ships like the Vancouver, um, which is a newer vessel. Um, and there's some other little jokes as well, like they have to get repairs, like, oh, do you want me to do some some, uh, some bits and pieces and reflective paneling? She's like, I don't want it coming out looking like a sovereign, which of course <laughs> is the uh, Enterprise E and kind of what, uh, the Titan has a bit of that look to it as well. Um, so, they, you know, they know it's... It, I mean, as soon as I saw the ship, I'm like, well, that just looks like the Galaxy class with like the Miranda class uh, struts underneath, which it all works. You know, it looks right. And they, you know, it's like I said, it's not the big ships. It's not the, uh, it's not the, uh, f- the flagships, like the Galaxy class and that sort of thing. These are the, these are the smaller, dinkier ships that do all the, uh, the legwork. <laughs> You know, I grew up on Star Trek The Next Generation. That was my Star Trek, and I think it was yours as well. Yeah. I didn't realize until doing prep for this that Lower Decks shares its name with an episode of Next Generation, Lower Deck, and it focused on the lives of junior officers. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those episodes where it was really interesting because you saw the you saw the Enterprise from a perspective you never saw before. These weren't people making you know like life and death situations. They weren't. They were they literally just helped the ship to run. Um, and I believe the thought of a show like this happened back then. Like that was like a almost like a a test bed of would do we think people would be concerned following characters that were not the bridge crew that were not the important ones. Cause look at every TV uh, Star Trek series. You've got the original series, you've got next gen Voyager DS nine uh, enterprise. All of them always follow the command crew because they're the ones in all the, all the situations, but I've, it's always something most Trek fans have wondered like, who cleans the floors? Like, who does all the other jobs when well, these, these guys? guys are... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But as um, a and... as an animated comedy, though, you can tell those stories and it's enjoyable. As a sixty minute drama, maybe not so much. But they no. they can certainly do it here. But again, like growing up on Next Gen, and just there's so many, there's so much connective tissue between this show. And that show, I mean, even the episode credits are in the same font that was used in Next Gen. Yeah, and uh, even the the style of the credits is very much the the ninety Star Trek of Voyager and 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 Next Generation. That with the way the ship does its like epic rolls past camera and that kind of thing. Um, you know, they they wear their their Next Generation love on their sleeve. Um, and the other big thing is also whenever you get a, you get some flashbacks with characters of like, like especially with uh, Mariner, like on her previous ships, and she's wearing the the movie costume oh, from yes. the, the next gen stuff because 
obviously they always change uh, from show to show. They always seem to change the uniforms for, for the staff fleet. But having been serving for a while, she's gone through a few uniforms. I don't like those little touches. I always love the the uniforms in Star Trek. I always have, and the subtle changes to go for. And, I, and I've always found, for me, the first contact uniform is my favorite. Yeah, same. So that's the one Mariner has in in that flashback. So this show then, it's been in development since 2018. That's where they first came up with the idea for the show. And I believe it was Alex Kurtzman working on short tracks and they were telling different types of stories there. I believe there were two animated episodes, a part of the the second volume they did. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was like, well, we're doing it here. Could we not do this as a whole show? And obviously they did. With Mike McMahon joining as creator and showrunner by that October. So end of 2018, they had the idea. They had the showrunner, and Lower Decks was ordered for two seasons by All Access. Animation studio Titmouse began work by the following February with the main cast announced in July 2019. Production on the first two seasons shifted to taking place remotely by March 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Star Trek Lower Decks premiered on August 6th, 2020 and its first season ran for 10 episodes until October and a second season is already in production. Yeah, which is great because I really like this and uh, I believe CBS have uh, made it fairly well known uh, as in the last year, kind of beginning of this year. Their hope is to have a Star Trek series running almost year round. So you'll go from like this year we had Picard, and then they dropped all the short treks, and then lower decks, and now Discovery has started uh, for season three, and I believe that's going to lead into the Pike-led series, whatever they call that. And they're still talking about the Section Thirty-One show, like they uh, they want there never to not be a series running, uh, which is what we had all through the nineties, from you know from from Next Gen literally through to enterprise i think we had like 13 years 14 years unbroken where there was always star trek on and some years multiple seasons it yes but not not how it is now or how they're planning on it being now because that was one series running and then you'd have a little bit of an overlap yeah it's kind of like one in one out with that small overlap whereas now like say with the release schedule they're looking at one continuing after the other all year round, but we're talking different shows. So we've got the live action shows and Lower Decks is just one of the animated Star Trek shows they're working on. The other one is for Nickelodeon, Star Trek Prodigy. But that, unlike this one, is going to be aimed at a younger audience. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're both big Star Trek fans. I'm yes. always Star Trek I got, every time it ends, I'm always like, ah, damn it. Uh, but, you know, thankfully, as we are now just rolled right after this, right into Discovery. Um, but that, that you know, a few months after Picard left me a little, like, a little itchy. I like, know, come on. It's, it's pretty incredible, though, because if you go back to January, Picard premiered, 
then Lower Decks, and now Discovery. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, I know. It really is. Picard was solid. Lower Decks, a lot of fun. And now we're getting to continue Season 3 of Discovery. Yeah, it's uh, we're in a new Star Trek Golden Age, and I am loving it. <laughs> yeah, me too. And if Star Trek's not your thing... October 30th, Mandalorian Season 2. Get your Star Wars fix. It's, it's, yeah. it's a good time to be a sci-fi fan right now, for sure. Okay, so the reception Lower Decks received. So mixed reviews from critics. Rotten Tomatoes, the first season holds a 65% approval rating based on 40 reviews. The site's critical consensus reads fun, but not overly bold. Lower Decks flips the script on Star Trek regulation just enough to stand out in the franchise, if not the greater animation landscape. So that's what the critics are saying. We'll get to what we think on the show. Um, We've kind of said it already, but the plot of the series, the support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships, the USS Cerritos, have to keep up their duties, often while the ship is being rocked by a multitude of sci-fi anomalies. Yeah, and um, and I love they uh, they establish it very quickly on that first episode. Crazy stuff happens on Starfleet vessels all the time, and for the most part, it doesn't phase them. They're like, "Oh, yep, yeah, rage virus, whatever. Continue about my day. Is this going to affect me? No." Um. Yeah, it, and it, it works because, you know, if you've watched as much Star Trek as we have, crazy stuff's happening constantly. Like, yeah, thankfully, there's not that many uh, holodeck malfunctions in this. <laughs> yes. As an anime show, they're not um, tied into such a, a strange narrative tool. Um, although they do use it to great effect <laughs> when they do use it. Um, and just uh, lots of other little jokes. Like, it's... It really works for me, and um, the 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 core four crew that we follow, I think, is a really smart, well-rounded group. You've got uh, Beckett Mariner, who's played by Tawny Newsom, who's been there, done that, likes being on the lower decks, has no interest in promotion, kind of a rule breaker. You've got Ensign Brad Boimler, played by Jack Quaid, who's the stick up his butt. Uh, wants to go far, believes in Starfleet, like worships the fridge crew. And then you've got uh, Devon Attendi, played by Noel Wells, who is the Orion science officer. And then uh, Samantha Rutherford, who's the engineering officer. And they're just geeking out about everything. Like, oh, we get to run a level four diagnostic. And uh, and those two are like the heart. They're the pure enthusiasm. Everything's great. Um, how can we help? And they just kind of support whatever's going on. Rutherford is definitely the Geordie of the group, although not as seasoned or as qualified, but certainly capable. So it's, it's an interesting mix, isn't it? Because so first off, you mentioned Mariner. The interesting thing about her is she presents as a bit of a slacker. She doesn't really care. I should say she's a a rule breaker. 
But what you see with her many times over, she's a very competent Starfleet officer. She can do it very well. Yeah, and it seems to be uh, not that she likes to break rules. It's more like she's, she's feeling she's gone on enough and she's become a bit jaded and doesn't like the, uh, the, she's finding the rules restrictive. So she's like, ah, I'm not following that. I'm going to get demoted, whatever. <laughs> I don't want, I don't need to be out there on the uh, leading edge of the galaxy, making first contact and that sort of stuff. I just want to do my job. But we yeah. find out very early on that she's actually the daughter of the captain. And honestly, didn't see it coming. She is the daughter of Captain Carol Freeman, voiced by Dawn Lewis. Yeah, and uh, they uh, they give you that at the end of the first episode. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I didn't pick it, um, but you know, and it gets further and further through the season. And it's not until later on that I, you start to realize, oh wait, we know that they're family, but no one else does. <laughs> But what I um, like is, is that it's fun for us to know. And then we know at some point the other characters are going to find out. But the way they find out and the way it continues to drive the story, I really like because it, it was more than just a quick gag. It actually meant something. Yeah, and I like that the the tension, like it's it explains why she hasn't just been like kicked out of Starfleet because her mom's still her mom and is making sure she doesn't get booted out of Starfleet. But it's also why she's so frustrating because she's putting so much more expectation on her and like trying to get her to like to obey the rules, but she can't help but do it as a mother in like kind of manipulative like uh, ways that I, were never going to work because they're just too, they're too similar. They're very similar. Uh, it's just that Captain Freeman is stuck to the rules and Mariner's had enough. And she's like, uh, and she's, as I said, they just come to a head because their core personalities are so similar. Uh, and it works really great. You know, before we get to the other characters, I want to go back and say to Tony Newsom as Mariner. He's absolutely fantastic. And it wasn't until I'd finished Lower Decks that I found out that she was also in Space Force that I watched recently with Steve Carell. She was oh, the yeah. astronaut that's, oh. that's going up, that gets promoted. So she the was pilot. in that. Yeah, so, you know, it's obviously hearing a voice on the show. You recommended the official Star Trek podcast to me, the, what was it, the pod directive? Yeah. That is fantastic. And it's her and a co-host and... Yeah, really great podcast. If you're looking for a new podcast, other than this one, obviously to to listen to. And yeah, she she's fantastic, and she's an example of being an, in a Star Trek show. Outside of this being a comedy, they're not necessarily going to go to her. And there's so many other examples of comedic actors being in here, and I'm so glad they went in that direction with the show and didn't just go the similar or the same casting route they go with for Star Trek, because this is a comedy and they've done right by, by the casting. And, and Jack Quaid is in there as well. You'd know him more recently as Huey from The Boys. 
Yeah. And he and Newsom are essentially co-leads. Like they're the main characters. Yeah, and his he does such a great job of having like the uh the whiny, like nervous energy, which you don't get as Huey. He's more beaten down as Huey and the boys and more like serious and kinda and like uh and has a bit of an edge whereas in this that it offsets uh tawny so perfectly because she's so strong and confident and relaxed and like overbearing um and she likes him but she's also aware he's kind of useless and needs her help uh and yeah it it it's a it's a great uh one two between them it really is but honestly like I'd watched a couple of episodes before I realized it was Jack Quaid. I didn't yeah, know same. that it was him because again, until I read it somewhere, I had no idea because at no, in at no way does he sound like Huey. That's good. He's an actor. It can, it can play different parts. Yeah. And, um, the same with like Jerry O'Connell playing commander Jack Ransom, like, He's done a lot of voice work. He's obviously been Superman quite a bit on the DC time. animated side. Um, but again, like I know his voice so well from watching him on like sliders and a bunch of other stuff um, throughout my life. But he does do a voice. He's not just reading as Jerry O'Connell. He is a character and he, it, it never breaks. Never when he spoke that I hear him go, oh, that's definitely Jerry O'Connell. It was, yeah, no, agree. Yes, just yeah, Jack he, Ransom. Well, it's just like when he plays Superman, like he doesn't sound like Jerry O'Connell in that. Like, I think he got to a point in his career where he's doing more and more voice work. Like, if you're looking at him on screen, like going all the way back to Stand By Me, I used to love watching Sliders, and then he he did heaps of comedies, like the first MTV yeah. movie, Joe's Apartment. He was in that. Um, I've recently just rewatched Buying the Cow. He's in that with Ryan Reynolds yeah. and heaps of other people. And that, they're the kind of movies that he was doing for a while, comedies. And now yeah. he's doing a lot of voice work. And yeah, he's really good in this, but he's someone cast in this that I think he could do really well in a live action Star Trek series. He's got the look. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and his character, he's like the... He's very much modelled himself on Riker, except with the stubble and that sort of stuff. <laughs> yes. Excessively working out, like I think almost every word, every other scene, he's like curling like dumbbells whilst he's talking. Uh, and he's, uh, that's one of the other little jokes I like that he uses is like, it's, it's all the, uh, the, the Starfleet uh, combat training that he like goes with, which is side roll, side roll, double fist punch. <laughs> <laughs> like when you first see him in action, he takes on that big hulking alien guy and he just does it with hitting him with both fists over and over again. Which is like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I read, um, I read the description of Jack Ransom and the name itself is incredible. Yeah. Jack absolutely. Ransom. What a great name, but a description of the character it was compared to Riker if he was on speed and had less shame. <laughs> and that was yeah. from showrunner McMahon. That's how he yeah. describes Ransom. Love it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I love it when he uh, when he runs into Deanna Troy and he's like, and because she's a beta soy, she reads his emotions and it's like he's overcompensating for like insecurity. Goes, can all beta soids take uh, sense that? I can work with it. I can make that work for me. <laughs> he's like so kind of oblivious to like his own shortcomings is and just a weird belief and everything's going to work but uh, in the episode great. in the episode they're not just the character of commander diana troy marina Sirtis voicing the character which yeah. was a pleasant surprise i had no idea her character that she was going to be playing or voicing the character at all until it happened as well as Jonathan Frakes as Captain William T. Riker. The two of them being in this was absolutely fantastic and a nice reveal. But what I did get from that, though, is the show itself were introduced to all these new characters. We've talked about a lot of them already. And you just take those characters as face value. This is the show. This is a look of the world. And these are the new characters. And you go with it. The only time, and and I did end up going with it still, but the only time the animation didn't quite work for me is when you first saw Riker and Troy because we know what they look like, the actors. Yeah. And the the animation, although you can clearly see it's them, it it just took me a while to get back into it and just, oh, okay, so this is what they look like in this world. Because, again, like all the other characters... And the style of the show really does work for me. But it was just a little bit jarring. Oh, okay, so this is what Michael looks like, a character we already know. Yeah, and we didn't get to see him do his famous Riker sit-down either. Ah, yes. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic seeing them, them in it. it. It really was. Yeah, and they came, they they were hinting it earlier on, but they they dropped the hint of like, oh, the USS Titan over here, or oh, that I heard that was happening over on the Titan, and I want to get a request to the Titan. You're like, oh, they're just name dropping that. That's not going to exactly. come to anything. Exactly. That's yeah, because this show does a lot of name dropping references. I loved all of it, but I didn't expect to see Riker. I really didn't, and we and we saw him recently in Picard, which was fantastic in itself. And then the next thing they give us is Lower Decks, and here's Riker again. Honestly, Patrick Stewart has said, what, three seasons of Picard? We've had one already. Riker's been in that. I'm hoping we're going to get to the point where they're just going to give him his own show. I would love to spend a whole season following Riker on his adventures, whether it's on a starship or in a wood cooking pizzas. I don't care. Yeah. Just give me absolutely. just give me more Riker. And that scene in Picard where he's commanding the, the ship, Frakes has still got it. And he's always had you know humor. That's always been a big part part of Riker's character. And that's what we yeah. get in an exaggerated version of in Ransom. So Frakes has got the comedic chops to do what he's doing here in Lower Decks. He's directed Star Trek movies. He's acted in animation, live action. I'm just hoping that Frakes is going to stick around. Same. Uh, And Marina Sotis as well. Oh, of course, yes. Well, you need Like, you can't have one without the other. (laughs) Exactly right. Another character that popped up that caught me by surprise 
Q. Yeah, John Delancey. John Delancey, back as Q. I mean, yeah, this, this show, it's just, it's doing it. It's so entertaining. And I, yeah, I had so much fun watching this with the new characters every now and then it'll reference or show you a character that you know from Star Trek from yesteryear. Oh, it's just so much fun. Yeah. Um, the rest of the bridge crew, we got uh, Lieutenant Shax, the Bajoran uh, tactical officer who is a maniac. Well, he's <laughs> he just essentially... Violence. <laughs> well, he's essentially Worf, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's the, the muscle. He's voiced by Fred... Tattershaw, you may know him from The Incredible Hulk and he's got the animated series, I think the Hulk yep. Agents of Smash. And he's he's a working voice actor. Like he's in he's in most most things. But he is great in this as as Shax. He is. And um you know, I like that they didn't forget to mention like, you know, he he's shooting people with guns and he's like when you get to hell, tell the par race Shaq sent you, because that's, of course, <laughs> <laughs> their, 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 their belief. That's their uh, religion. And, yeah, any time they uh, brought anything up, and that goes for Tendi as well. She's an Orion, uh, and there's a few jabs at the fact that Orions are pirates and slavers uh, coming from Mariner <laughs> for the most part. But, yeah, it works really well. And with Rutherford as well, he's continuing the discovery uh, vein of people with cybernetics, he has a Vulcan implant in his head, which uh, they use to great effect as well. And again, it, it makes him a little bit similar to George, although he didn't necessarily have an implant that would change his emotions, but he did wear the visor. So yeah. both work in engineering. So there's, yeah, there's something more uh, similar going on there. But yeah, this this is a show again. Mike McMahon, the creator of Solar Opposites, we've not yet had that here in Australia. It's on Hulu in the US, and that was uh, co-created with Justin Roiland, who did Rick and Morty. And I was, yeah. I thought we were going to get something more in that vein with this. It's not quite as silly as those shows but what we do get with this which i didn't think we were going to until the finale stakes yeah does not survive this season he dies yeah, and in he the goes, final yeah. battle in episode and he 10. goes out like a hero <laughs> and, it, and and the way he you would imagine he wanted to go as well uh and what i like as well is despite his angry demeanor he's also kind of like just a great guy when Rutherford's changing departments because he's looking to have time and uh, he transfers in, impresses Shaxx and then wants to leave back to engineering. He's all supportive. He's like, heart wants what heart wants and that sort of stuff. Yeah, he's, yeah. It's, he's a great character. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm sad that he's not going to be with us for season two. Yeah, me too, because he really was the war for this series. Because it really is easy to draw parallels, whether it's the Geordie, Worf, Riker. The characters yeah. are here in some form in the show. But yeah, Shax, he was a great character. And yeah, being a parody of Worf, like 
the thing Worf would say often in battle, perhaps today is a good day to die. And, yeah. and Shaq's, he got to experience that. Yeah. Uh, done in by, un- uh, un- almost unwittingly, by Badgie, played by Jack McBrayer. Oh, yes, of course, 30 Rock. Yeah. Uh, and he's the the second he pops up in the hologram. He's the holodeck program, and he's he's the paperclip. He's Microsoft Windows yes. Word paperclip, but in holodeck form for when you want to do training on the holodeck. And he was great. Of course, there's a glitch, and his the safety protocols comes off, and he turns into some kind of a psycho maniac. But ah, oh, both times he shows pop, pops up on the show was just a pleasure he's uh here he's he's got the glee of like hey let me help you out there but he's also <laughs> talking about ripping off your arms and tearing your eyes out of your the, the sockets like yeah it's a uh, yeah it worked wonders for me i found and there was quite a few other guest stars with comedy backgrounds as well like paul Shear. he was in it as the person I believe Boimer reported to, like he was his boss. Yeah, uh, he's a uh, Rutherford's. Uh, he's the chief engineer, Lieutenant. Ah, Rutherford. Yes. Phillips. Yeah. Um. And yeah, he doesn't speak often, but I love Rutherford's like sort of admiration for him. He he don't get a lot of words out of uh, Billups, but he's always supportive. Uh, he doesn't do. He doesn't seem to do a lot. Uh, on the show, he's more, but uh, he's just—he's just an engineer. He's his character is like uh, teaching and being there, and because they do that thing where there are in the bridge crew are in the conference room, and what are they talking about? New chairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's, it works great. And then we get Doctor Tiana, who's played by Gillian Vigman, the uh, chief medical officer who she's a cat yes she's a cranky cat <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah she uh she has a thing for shacks she's uh she's basically bones of the show she's again a cranky you, doctor. yeah you can drop <laughs> parallels not just to next gen but to the original series as well yeah um but yeah, I, I love this. I think my favorite episode was episode nine, uh, which was uh, Crisis Point, where Mariner, basically, they, they ate the movies. Mariner takes Boimler's uh, butt-kissing like uh, program where he's perfectly replicated the crew so he can train on like, how to impress the captain, and she turns it into a little movie for herself. Uh, and it hits all the... All the uh, the hallmarks of the the way that the, the credits fly at the screen, uh, the ridiculous gluto- uh, uh, gratuitous shot of the the ship as they first bought it, or the lens flare. Hey, hey! Not just one gratuitous shot, many. Yeah, because <laughs> that was you know still that is my favourite part of Star Trek the motion picture when you've got yeah. the Jerry Goldsmith theme. And you see in the Enterprise before it leaves the station, the many angles, the theme, and yeah, yeah. they do it to excess here. 
And then they get to the point where they do it maybe a little bit too much. They do it a little bit more and it's okay. It's the right. Yeah. Just keep showing yeah. them. It's, but you're right. Yeah. It's, it's a good way of showing off what they do in the movies to, to comedic effect. And I mentioned Jerry Goldsmith doing the music for most of the movies and the TV series, Next Gen, Voyager. I believe he did. Did he do DS9 as well? Oh man, those those scores are and those main themes are absolutely fantastic. I love them. This this show, the composer is Chris Westlake. The intro to the series theme has callbacks to Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation, and Star Trek Discovery, which I thought was was a nice touch. Yeah. Um and they use it throughout the show. It's uh, and when uh when Riker shows up in the end of the last episode, they play the next gen theme when he shows up in the Titan. Of course, to rescue the day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's brilliant, and and that's what I love about it. Because again, like it, it blows my mind that this show is canon. It it really really does. But but even more so, it makes sense that they're using those themes the characters, the referencing things, because it very much is is in that world. But using the music, it just perfects it, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the m- music throughout the whole show, it it's exactly what you'd expect on a Star Trek series. It fits the tone, uh, whether it's a battle music because they're in like a, a fighting pit or they're fighting uh, natives with crystal spears on some planet. Uh, or if it's just the stuff in space where they're just giving those glory shots of the outside of the Cerritos. Mm. It's yeah, it's, it's perfect. It really is. Have you seen any of the Star Trek after show episodes, the ready room? Yes. Right. Okay. They did it for discovery. Didn't they? Yeah. Those are the only ones I saw was discovery season. They did season one and season two, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe it was just season one. Uh, And I I saw a bunch of other stuff, uh, uh, official interviews and bits and pieces for season two of Discovery. Because this is just what what I read. So, yes, the, the Ready Room show typically covers Discovery. It's hosted by Will Beaton, of course. Yeah. Where's the Crusher? <laughs> um, yeah. But what they did was that covering Discovery for the most part, but then they did a final episode that covered Lower Decks. All right. Uh, and also, uh, Wheaton hosted a virtual panel for the 2020 New York Comic Con after the series first season finale, which which was recorded and released as the third after-show episode for the series. So it's got a little bit of exposure over there as well. I've not seen any of the Ready Room episodes. Are they worth watching? Yeah, I like them. You have uh, interviews with the the crew, um, like the, the directors of episodes, the writers of episodes, the actors as well, of course. And they just get some interesting tidbits of like, what they were hoping to tell with a certain episode um, and that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, Will Wheaton's obviously 
done a lot of interviewing, so he's a great host. Um, and you know, they all have a genuine love for Star Trek, so it works quite well because it was a, uh, it was for season one of Discovery. Uh, we had After Treks, which ah, was the right. show hosted by uh, Babylon, uh, Hollywood Babylon co-host of. Uh, Kevin Smith, whose name I'm going to forget. I know who you're talking about. No, he did the Frasier podcast with Kevin yeah. Smith. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. And he hosted right. the first season of that, which I don't know why we didn't get the second season on okay. Netflix here in Australia. Think, I'm getting a bit mixed up. I was thinking of that. Right, I thought I'd seen a little bit of The Ready Room, but I haven't then. I've not seen any of these. I've seen After Trek. And I remember yeah. they were made available on Netflix during the first season of Discovery. Yeah, which is great because you got to see the episode as it dropped and then you got to watch the after tracks immediately after where they talked about the episode you just saw and um, you got some background stuff. Uh, and Will Wheaton has a little bit of that with his show as well, which I've had to watch um, via streaming online. Right, okay, so it's something that's available online. Okay, so yeah. something we have just watched then, Star Trek Lower Deck Season 1. If you're going to rate it out of five. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to give it a four. Uh, my personal enjoyment's a five because I love <laughs> the jokes. I love the, uh, I love the inside uh, nods. Uh, it's a very easy watch. Um, in fact, I did it all today, right before we recorded this for a second time. Um, and it just was, yeah, it's very easy watch. The it builds correctly as over first season as you would hope for a show like this. And yeah, I I have no uh, no notes other than give me more. <laughs> yes, I. I agree, and the same. I'm going to come in at a very strong four out of five. I had so much enjoyment with this show. It's a it's a really well put together animated comedy of a thing that I love. And again, it's canon, and I I love I love that fact because that doesn't make sense. Not really. Not if you're no. then going to watch the third season of Discovery, the second season of Picard, and think the Cerritos is out there somewhere in yeah. that world. It, but it is, yeah. because it is, it is all canon. This is such a, a fun show, and I hope more people watch it. I'm hoping that it's not just people who are diehard Star Trek fans and, think, and other people thinking it's just something for them. There is, there is so much for fans. So it's hard to know if there's enough for people that aren't fans. But I think it's funny. You know, it's great animation, great cast. So I don't know, because I'm like you. I'm coming from a place where I'm a big Star Trek fan. So again, it's easy to say, like, as a fan, it's a five. But maybe I'm going to come yeah. in at four. There's a lot to enjoy here. I'm not quite sure how it would translate to someone who wasn't a Star Trek fan. Yeah, um, although I've thought that with the Star Wars cartoons as well. But, you know, generally, I think it's the same thing of when a show's done well, it works. And this is, I think, because it doesn't take itself so seriously, because it is a comedy, 
um, but it's and it it fits. It's more comedy than um, oh, what's the Seth MacFarlane show? The Orville. Yeah, it's more comedy yeah. than Orville, um, and it's but it's and but it's not crude either. I think you can sit there and watch it with kids. Um, that's true yeah and and you do still get your morals people do learn their lessons in the typical star trek fashion it's just sort of not taking themselves so seriously as those shows tend to i mean fortunately we know this show is secured for a second season and i think it's relatively safe it's a show that they're able to continue to make during COVID. So they can continue doing this remotely. And CBS All Access, they do have some other shows, like The Twilight Zone. They've got, I think The Stand, I think that's theirs. They've got a couple of other shows coming out, but everything else is Star Trek. It's all Star Trek. And it's its own streaming service, so it's, it's got a home there. So I think, again... Confirmed second season. Hopefully, it's going to turn into more. But the show is in a good position, even if it's not reaching a really wide audience. Honestly, I'd be really curious to know how many people are actually watching this show because friends of mine that are interested in similar things that we're interested in, they've not even started it. Yeah, um, I know other people. I know Star Trek or Star Trek fans who have only just started it now it's finished um and other ones who watched it as it came out but i think that's the other thing here for us in australia i uh i had to use a vpn to get a cbs all access to get it because it wasn't on any of the streaming services and i have them all i've got amazon prime i've got stan i've got foxtel i've got netflix i've got disney plus i've got i've literally got everything uh and i still had to uh sign up to CBS All Access to get my, my hands on it. And that's what's so strange as well. So again, in the US, CBS All Access. But here in Australia, if we look at the other Star Trek shows that have been released so far, Star Trek Discoveries on Netflix, my yep. assumption would be that's where Picard would air. Not the case. So I... That we got on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And I didn't have Prime until Picard. I got yeah. Prime for Picard. So it's, they're not making it easy for us Star Trek fans in Australia of, to watch the content. Yeah, and that's, that was the same thing with Short Trek Season 2 as well. Like, they weren't uh, uploaded onto Netflix, at least not yet here in Australia, but you can watch them on CBS's website at the moment. Right, okay, because um, I still, is, uh, yeah, I haven't seen them. I, I've seen the first lot they did, and they've released a DVD. And I think maybe Blu-ray yeah. as well, like the collected shorts. Yeah. But you'd um, think, like, just come on, Netflix. Yeah, I, yeah, it's strange. Like, if because a CBS of the opinion that I can understand that, at, like, us. A, a, uh, Patrick Stewart led Star Trek series. There's there's a, a market where you can sell it to a different uh, provider. You have Amazon, you have Netflix. But in terms of short treks suddenly not being part of the package deal when it went to Netflix for the first part, 
and for this one as well to not have been made available in Australia and probably the UK and everywhere else as well. I'm sure a lot of other people have had to do what I've done and get a VPN and, uh, and sign up through the official website, which I've got no problem. I've got a smart TV. I've got all that stuff set up, but it does make it harder to break in that audience. Cause if someone, if I was going to recommend it to a friend who didn't go through that hassle, I'd have to invite them around <laughs> or share my login yeah. details or something. I'm like, come on, come on, CBS, help us out. So it's, it's going to end up somewhere. It's just like we, we've talked about it with DC Universe in the US and then that content was finding its way, whether it on TV here in Australia or on streaming, like Amazon Prime, yeah. Harley Quinn is on there but then yeah most of the dc shows that say tight obel titans is netflix and a lot the of the other ones foxtel. foxtel binge all over yeah all yeah over. well yeah. that's it for our episode all about star trek lower decks season one if you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show you can find us on facebook as sounds like comics jay thanks for being on the show today thanks for having me and as always thank you for tuning in we'll see you next time